Talk of trouble is sent through the country, and we need an army to fight for the right. Young men enlist and are sent to the battle to fight the offender and help our allies. And the young men cry, "Oh Canada, we'll gladly go and fight for thee." And the young men cry, "Oh Canada, we'll fight to keep you free." The battle's raging, gunfire is blazing. A tired young soldier is clinging to life. He's ordered on and obeys by advancing. No hope of returning from the enemy fire. And the soldier cries, "Oh Canada!" If it must be so, I'll die for thee. And the soldier cries, "Oh Canada, I'll die to keep you free." And we own this, oh Canada, the land where. A danger much greater within. The noise we make as we constantly bicker would hush not a whisper if we listen to hear. All the thousands cry, "Oh Canada, is that why we?" Remembrance Day is one of uh, my favorite services of the year as a pastor, and I think it's because honor is such a high value for our church family, and we just want to thank and honor all of those who have served 
uh, families who have sacrificed in the service of their country. I want to thank uh, President Cav uh, Calvin for coming today and Comrade Bob Peterson for coming and thank you for Trumpeter Daniel. Didn't he do a great job leading us that way? So thank you guys for coming. You know, we remember, uh, as we talk about Remembrance Day and why we make this a priority every year in our calendar to do a service like this, we remember those and, uh, who fought and died. We remember those who have served and are continuing to serve. Uh, we remember the sacrifices of families. We have many military families within our church family, and we know that when uh, people are on deployment for six or nine months, it uh, can be quite a lonely time for the family. So we're just so thankful uh, for the sacrifice and the service of our many soldiers. For those of you that remember, Don Murphy started coming to our church about two years ago, and uh, this year he went to be with the Lord, but we just remember his service and sacrifice at 96 years old, and uh, uh, was one of the re last remaining D-Day veterans, so we don't see Don here, but we'll see him again, amen? So we're just grateful. You know, I was thinking about what kind of nation did these men and women serve and sacrifice for and ultimately lay down their lives for. It got me thinking about our national anthem and I think it describes certain things that you and I need to hold dear and hold true uh, if we are going to honor their service and their sacrifice. And so that's what I wanna talk about this morning for the few minutes that I have. We're gonna look at our national anthem and just look at three different points. That we are the true north, strong and free, we ask God to keep our land glorious and free and that we stand on guard. Let's pray and ask the Holy Spirit to help us to uh, hear his voice in this moment. So Father, we just love you, we delight in you, and we thank you for today, Lord. We thank you for your service to us, Lord God. And we thank you for the many men and women who have served in incredible ways, not only in our military, Lord, that we are remembering today, but we think about our first responders we think about those who uh, are constantly putting themselves in harm's way for our sake, Lord God. And we are just grateful to be here today. Bless us now. Give us eyes to see, ears to hear, hearts to receive and respond to you in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. The true north strong and free. I got thinking about that. Um, uh, you know, we're called the true north strong and three, free. How many know that that's not only referring to our geographical location? You know, we think about the true north, strong and free, uh, and we think about our geography. We are other, I don't know if you've noticed, we're a northern country. And uh, my nephew sent me a text uh, from the south of us. It was 24 degrees where they were, but not negative, positive. And I thought, there's an extra crown for living in the northern part of the world that one day God will reward us. I call it the frozen chosen crown. So... <laughs> You get that when no one else does, so that's a good thing. Amen? The true north, strong and free. I was thinking about, uh, you know, true north is uh, an interesting phrase because it refers, I think, not only to our geographical location, but I think it also refers to principles that guide our nation. You know, we call them true north principles. And so when you understand what a true north principle is, if you've ever had a compass in your hand, a compass will point to true north. And uh, as a nation or a people or a family or uh, even a society, we have true north principles that are meant to guide us toward greater life and toward uh, what God would have for us. So what are the true north 
principles that guide our land. I was thinking about, uh, you know, I, I used to, uh, when I put myself through uh, seminary, through Bible college, I worked for a power company. And how it worked in the morning, you'd get a map and it would tell you which range road you were on and which, uh, you know, cross road you had to go to. And then it would say, start on the northeast quadrant. Uh, that's your first telephone pole that we had to test these telephone poles. Well, if you got your first direction wrong in the morning, you were in big trouble for the rest of the day because you were testing the neighbor's power poles when you were supposed to be doing a whole different line. So you understand it's super important that you know where true north really is. You know, when uh, Canada was being named as its true north uh, principles, it was being named, and there was, uh, you can actually research this, it's quite interesting. There was actually a kind of a debate as to what we call Canada. And the debate arose from the fact that if they were to call this uh, place the Kingdom of Canada, which was one of the names that was on the list, it might offend the American neighbors who had just been through a civil war and had also been through, you know, not long before that, freedom from the uh, relationship with England. But then they, they thought, well, if we call it the Kingdom of Canada, that'll be a, that could be a problem. But if we call it the Republic of Canada, will offend our, our British over, you know, oversight. And so what do we end up calling this nation? So they were praying and thinking about what, the, believe it or not, they were actually praying. And, and Sir Wilford T uh, Tilly was actually doing his morning devotions and he read this scripture, Psalm 72, eight, he shall have dominion also from sea to sea and from the river to the ends of the earth. And so he suggested that they call Canada the dominion of Canada to kind of keep peace between these two. How many of you know you've been a peacekeeping nation since your foundations? This has been a, kind of the, the, the mindset of Canadians from the very beginning. And so how many of you know that's our coat of arms, that from sea to sea, that he shall have dominion in Canada. And uh, we see these, these principles that are our foundation of our, of, our, of our nation. You know, this founding scripture declares the supremacy of God over our nation. Even the Canadian Bill of Rights introduced in 1930 begins with the Parliament of Canada affirming that Canadian uh, nation is founded upon the principles that acknowledge the supremacy of God. That is our guiding principles, family. That's what we're part of. You know, this isn't just talking about being a Christian. This is talking about the truths that are embedded into the Word of God that are meant to lead our nation. Truths about peace and justice and righteousness for every citizen. In the past hundred years, we've reaffirmed those truths, and nowhere more so is that reaffirmed than in the Canadian Parliament building. I want you to understand that our Parliament is quite amazing. Do you know that engraved into the stone of our Parliament building, or, or in, etched into the stained glass, are 25 scriptures. 25 scriptures are in our Parliament building. And uh, that one I just read to you is, is right on the front window of the, of the uh, parliament building. So these places are all over the place, these scriptures. Even the bell tower in the peace tower in, in Ottawa, the scriptures engraved, glory to God in the highest and on earth peace and goodwill toward all men. Which is of course what the angels said at the coming of Jesus Christ. That's on one of the bells that rings in the bell tower. The south window says this, give the king thy judgments, O God, and righteousness unto the king's son. How many of you know that when a nation says, God, help our prime minister to have wisdom, help him to have righteous judgments, 
How many know that's a good prayer and a good declaration to be on your building? On the east window, it tells us the scripture I just read, he shall have dominion from sea to sea. And the west window says, where there is no vision, the people perish. I'll talk about that one in a minute. But nowhere is the scriptural references in Canada's history more profoundly found than in the memorial chamber in Canada's Peace Tower. The memorial chamber commemorates the 118,000 Canadians who have given their lives in the service of their country. There's a picture of it coming up there. That's a picture of the memorial chamber. And uh, there's seven books of remembrance in the memorial chamber. When you walk into the chamber, there's an angel that has the book of remembrance that's recording, and that is from Malachi. That scripture is from Malachi, and that scripture talks about the angel of God recording the service and the deeds of mankind that will not be forgotten. When you walk into this sacred room, the first book that you see there is the book of the World War I. It's called the very book at the center of uh, this place, and that records the 66,655 names of Canadians who died in the First World War. The book, the second book is called the Book of the Second World War. 44,493 names are listed there. The Book of Newfoundland, before they joined Confederation, 2,300 Newfoundlanders gave their life in the service of Canada. The Korean War book has 516 names. The South African War and the Nile Expedition has 266 names. The Merchant Navy book has 2,170 names. And the seventh and final book is called In the Service of Canada. It lists all the people that have died since that, the conflicts in Korea, including those that died in Afghanistan, 158 that were listed from Afghanistan alone. The seventh book is ongoing and is connected to, and hopefully it says for the generations to come that we won't need an eighth book. The books of remembrance, this is pretty powerful. Let's flip the next picture. This gentleman's job is that every day at 11 o'clock, he turns the pages of the book. He turns one page on every book. And that is so that every name is visual once a year in this sacred chamber. In the World War I book you see there, the angels of the Lord are looking down, the cherubim are looking down. You can see the four angels on the corners of the book, looking down onto the book. And that, that, that you can see little plaques, one looks like a little red cross. The actual scripture that's engraved around that entire altar is found in Ephesians chapter 6. This is what it says. Therefore put on the complete armor of God that you may be able to resist and stand your ground on the day of evil and danger. And having done everything that the crisis demands to stand, stand firmly in your place. And so the pieces of the armor are actually those little symbols that you see Every piece of the armor is listed in those little things that are engraved in there. So you see the shield of faith, the helmet of salvation, the footwear of justice and peace, the belt of truth, sorry, the breastplate of, of justice and the sword of the spirit. 
These are our true north guiding principles, church. This is how this nation was founded. This is uh, what people fought and died for, was these principles uh, of life and liberty and peace and justice that we were always intended to live. Our anthem goes on and says these words, God, keep our land glorious and free. You see, in our infancy, listen to me, we had a moral compass that pointed us to God. And we have seen and experienced the goodness of God in our land because of it. How many of you know uh, we inherited the blessings that we've received? We did not serve and sacrifice to give us the nation that we enjoy and the privileges that we enjoy. Others served and sacrificed and we stood upon that sacrifice. But something happens, it's pretty interesting, you know, peace and privilege and prosperity and freedom. Something happens when you have not paid a price for those things is that you begin to devalue them. They're not valuable to you because you don't know what they really cost. And so it reminded me of the story of the prodigal son in Luke chapter 13, or 15, sorry. He goes to his father, he's, uh, his, you know, his father's a wealthy man, and he goes to his father and he says these words, give me my inheritance. Now, this is a horrible thing. I don't think we comprehend how terrible this was for a Jewish family. Basically, he's saying, dad, I can't wait for you to die, so why don't you give me my inheritance right now? So the father does, he gives him his inheritance and you see the son really didn't have a concept of the price that dad paid to build the family fortune. He didn't have a concept of the sacrifices that were made. He just saw the privileges and the blessings and he wanted to take it and to have it. He was saying, I don't want to bear any responsibility, just give me what you've earned so I can spend it on myself. You know, I, I, I can't help but watch our nation today and really, frankly, many nations around the world that are kind of having a adolescent moment. <laughs> they are the prodigal sons and daughters, and they're saying, give us our inheritance. You know, give us what we want. We haven't earned it, but uh, we want, we demand it, and uh, this is what we want. You know, I think that we've taken the freedom sometimes that has been purchased for us, and we're using it on self-indulgence. We all know this, you know, we're wise enough in this room that we look at what's happening even in our nation today and we see things that are going on. Do you know, eventually this is going to come to roost. Eventually somebody's got to pay for what's being paid for right now. We, we know that because we, you know, if you're a responsible person, you understand if I spend myself far beyond my ability to pay, eventually I will have to pay for that. And so we're seeing that as a nation. And so this is kind of the scripture, again, that is engraved on the south window of our parliament, where there is no revelation, the people cast off restraint. But blessed is the one who heeds wisdom's instructions. Do you know what this is saying? It's saying where there is no revelation of God, where God's principles are not being revealed, they're not being understood, they're not being lived out. Where that is happening in that nation, people begin to cast off restraint. That's true of individuals and it's true of a nation. 
And so when we don't know the price that has been paid, and we're not seeing what God intends for us, because Jesus Christ said, I have come to give life and life abundant. But the thief comes to kill, to rob, and to destroy. And so when we don't have a revelation of Jesus Christ, when we don't have a revelation of the goodness of God, when we don't have a revelation of the price that was paid for us and the freedoms that we enjoy in this world, we cast off restraint. And I think we're seeing that in our world today. I think we're seeing it in spades. You know, I want us to understand something. And this is very important what I'm about to say. It may not be important today, but it's going to be important in your future. <laughs> God is right even when the whole world disagrees with him. God is right. God is good. God's ways are right. Even when the whole world says, you are restraining us. No, he's not. He's actually just a good father who builds a fence and says, live anywhere within this boundary, but don't go outside of it because all that waits on the other side of it is pain. That's what a good father does, amen? And that's what God is doing. He's a good, good father. He wants us to have the life that he has. You know, when we cast off restraint, the word literally means this, to expose and uncover ourselves from the care and the covering of God. You know, one of the reasons I love singing O Canada is it's a prayer. It's a prayer. The whole nation is singing a prayer when they sing O Canada. Isn't that awesome? God, keep our land glorious and free. God, help us to understand the privileges and the blessings that we've received through the sacrifice of others, which leads us to the last thought. We stand on guard for thee. It's part of our anthem. We stand, that word is a verb. It means to maintain an upright position supported by one's own feet. <laughs> There's lots in that statement. Think about it. We need to stand in this hour. Stand as those who know God. Stand as those who declare what is right and righteous. Stand as those who are grateful for what has been served and sacrificed for our sake. Ezekiel 22 says this, I looked for someone among them who would build up a wall and stand before me in the gap on behalf of the land so I would not have to destroy it, but I found no one for the sake of the land that I would not destroy it, but I found no one not even one. God help us. <laughs> you see the gap, listen to me church, the gap is the distance between the will of God and the decisions and choices of people who don't know or honor God. That's the gap. And so he calls to the church and he says, church, I don't want you to stand and judge people. I want you to stand in the gap to save people. <laughs> That's what I want you to do. I want you to take the power and the, that I've given you, not standing on the street corners, pointing your fingers at people and saying, bad, bad, bad. But he's saying, I want you to stand in and begin to declare the goodness of God, that people that don't know God, that they can come to know me. 
we stand on guard. And that word on guard means a person who keeps watch, especially a soldier or other persons formally aligned to protect a person. Sorry, I'm going to move my mic a bit. Or to control access to a place. A person who keeps watch, especially a soldier. My name is Gregory. I know, it's an interesting name. Um, but the, the name Gregory means a watchman. And a watchman's job was to stand on the wall and watch for the enemy and protect the city. And so how many of you know when you're a watchman, you see things coming before they come? Anybody else ever kind of have that watchman part of their nature? You know, I, I kind of see things happening and I'm like, oh, that's not good. <laughs> if we keep going down that road, ooh, look out. I think we're, many of us kind of have that mindset. You know, we need to see our nation turned and part of that turning is what happens in our hearts, in our lives. How do we stand? How do we stand on guard? How do we honor the service and the sacrifice? You know, again, what kind of nation do those who have given their lives deserve to see us behave as? Does that make sense? I just think about that. Like their service, their sacrifice, what does that demand of me? What does that ask of me? And I was just thinking of a couple things. Pretty simple. Ready for this? Be thankful. Just be thankful. Just say thank you. Thank you to people who serve. Thank you. You know, I look at the United States right now, and it, it truly is a nation 100%. It's just divided. It's, it, you can't get more divided. But one of the things I always find very refreshing when I travel in the States is when you see somebody in military uh, outfit, and I, I, I try and do it here whenever I can when I'm in Canada and see somebody in a military outfit um, or their uniform, I say thank you. <laughs> thank you for your service. Amen? That's a thing we should be doing all the time. Thank you for your service. And that, that can be expanded beyond even the military, but for sure to the military we should be thankful. Just be grateful. <laughs> How many of you know thankfulness gives us a proper perspective? If we're just thankful, like every day we should be thankful. Thankful for the service and the sacrifice that it brought us here. I think be humble is the second thing that... You know, gratitude for the service of others demands that we're humble. <laughs> Again, we didn't pay the price. Do you know that there are going to be people that are going to come to this church, God willing, and, uh, you know, the world keeps going. Um, there are going to be people that come to this building. There are some here today, as a matter of fact, that didn't pay a dime for this building. And because this building is here, because you as the church exist here, there are going to be people that find their way home to God and that their eternity changes forever because of the sacrifices that you have made. That's incredible. You know, I, got, I became a Christian when I was 20 years old uh, and I went to a church that I did not pay for. <laughs> I didn't give anything to that church. 
I just sure showed up and I heard the message and I felt the love of God and the mercy and the goodness of God. And I said, I want this for my life. But boy, there was people that paid a price to make sure that church was there for me. Be humble at the service and the sacrifice that has come. And here's the third and final thing, I think. Be a servant. You know, our military families and people, they, they serve, they do what they do in the service of Canada. And I think their service demands our service. That's what I feel. I feel we should be servants in our workplaces. I feel we should be servants in our homes. I feel we should be servants in our communities. Because that's what's been delivered to me from the sacrifice of these people. And lastly, our text says, our, our anthem says, we stand on guard for thee, for thee. It's not just about us. As we've said, it's about those who come after us. This is why Remembrance Day is so important to me. We can never forget. We can never forget the service and the sacrifice that has been paid for our freedoms. You know, we're standing on guard, and it's not to watch for the world's destruction. It's to watch for their return to the Father. You see, the prodigal son had a dad, and the dad stood in the window and watched every day to see if his son would come home. He lit a candle every day. In church, your job is to light a candle. <laughs> your job as a church is to hold up and say, you know, there's a better way to live. Because eventually the prodigals come to their senses. Eventually the prodigals say, this is not good the way I've been living. Eventually the prodigals say, there must be something more. And that's the moment when you are holding up a candle and you're saying, come home. You're not standing there to judge them. You're standing there to help them find their way home to God. Amen? That's our job, guys. This is why I love Canada. I love our nation with a fierce love. I want us to be the true north, strong and free. Amen? To see the principles of God's goodness lived out in our land, through our lives, and even to others. Well, let's close in prayer. Lorraine, if you could come and Yeah. First thing I want to do is just, uh, if I could have anybody that has ever served in the military or is currently serving in the military, if you could just stand, we'd love to honor you today. Just stand to your feet. Take a look around. Can we just say thank you to these people?
Thank you. Maybe I'll see it for just one more moment. If you're here today, I'm going to ask you for something brave in a moment. And that if, if you're that prodigal, <laughs> that maybe you've been uh, wandering away from God or you've never come home to Him, and God is saying, today is the day I want you to turn back to me. And I want you to just take a moment and say, you know what, I need to find my way back to God. I need to serve God. I need to walk with God. If that's you here today, I want you to be bold and I want you to wave at me and say, Pastor, that's me. Would you pray with me to invite Christ into my heart, into my life, that I might serve with him and walk with him? I'm not going to belabor this, but I'm just going to ask one more time. If that's you, give me a wave. The bravest thing you're going to do is surrender. <laughs> but not to the enemy, to the Lord. Amen? And say, today is the day, God, that I get things right with you. And lastly, if you're here today and you're saying, you know what, Pastor Greg, I've been looking at the world. And if you're like me, if I can be honest, I'm looking at the world and I'm heartbroken over the decisions that people and nations even are making. And it can be kind of heavy and a burden. But you know what? This is our hour to stand. This is our hour to stand on guard. And we stand on guard by praying. We stand on guard by living righteously. And if that's you as a son or a daughter, that God is calling you to stand on guard for Canada, I want you to raise your hand. Say, Pastor, that's me. And really the nations of the earth. <laughs> Amen. Many of us are raising hands right now. Well, let's just close in prayer. And let's go out of here with a little more gratitude in our heart, a little more just humility, and with a heart of service as we go forward from this place. So, Father, thank you for today. Thank you for this day that I believe, Lord, is one of the most special days on the entire calendar for you. Holy Spirit, you love Remembrance Day. It's such an honor, Lord God to serve and to love and to say thank you to those who have served us, Lord God. And I just pray your blessing upon every military family right now, God. Everyone that's serving overseas right now, God. Everyone that has come home and is still carrying the burdens of war. We bless them now, Father God. We think of the many uh, military families and men and women that are homeless right now. That ought not be, God, ever, Father God. We pray your blessing upon them, Lord Jesus. We thank you for this day. We give you all the praise and the glory. In Jesus' name, amen. Well, let's give the Lord a hand and a clap for amen. God bless your week, church. And uh, on Remembrance Day on the 11th, just take that time to be silent and reverent before the Lord for those that have served and sacrificed. But thank you for your attention today.